Welcome to Well, I Know Now, the podcast in which I talk to people affected by dementia in all sorts of different ways. I can honestly say that every one of my guests has highlighted something new about the condition and how it affects us all, about myself, about life and what's important in it. I'm Pippa Kelly. My mum Kay lived with vascular dementia for her last 10 years. Her diagnosis came about in the wake of a terrible crisis. And when it did, my family and I knew nothing about the condition. Looking back, I think we'd been in denial about what might be wrong with mum. We were worried, frightened and overwhelmed. So we buried our heads in the sand for far too long. A scenario which is sadly all too common. Now though, through my writing and campaigning, I know so much more about this cruel condition. It is cruel and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But I now know that it's possible to live a decent if changed life with dementia. I know it's down to society, to all of us, to help those with a condition live better, more fulfilled and satisfying lives. And I know that it's often the smallest things that make the most difference. The poet Sylvia Plath wrote, well, I know now a little more about how much a simple thing like a snowfall can mean to a person. And dementia teaches you this too. My guest this week is a pharmaceutical scientist turned social entrepreneur from Leicestershire. Holidays had always been important to her and her family, but when her mum was diagnosed with dementia in 2007, all that changed. Searching for holiday cottages that would be suitable for her Edinburgh-based parents, she discovered that there weren't any. She'd already scaled back her work so that she could visit her mum and dad in Scotland and her mother-in-law, who also had dementia, in Liverpool. And it was at this point, finding herself unable to identify anywhere for her elderly relatives to take a break, that she came up with the idea of Mind For You, a for-profit social enterprise offering personalised holidays to people with dementia and their families. She is Carol Sargent, and seven years and one global pandemic later, her cooperative charity Mind For You, with its six permanent staff, and pool of 12 freelancers to accompany families on their holidays has provided 129 breaks for over 1,000 contented guests. And well, that was at my last count. The success of the venture is largely down to Carol's determination to make everyone's experience as relaxing and rewarding as possible. Always visiting people before their holiday and then giving them the chance to unwind. Sound in the knowledge that they and their needs and desires are understood. The result is a break away from home that is just like the traditional family holidays we all know and love. Stunning properties to stay in, beautiful locations, delicious new recipes to try, the joy to be found in exploring a new locality. Everybody is free to do what they want. There's a flexibility, a spontaneity even that is so often lacking when dementia is involved. I love the fact that we arrive as strangers and leave as family, says one staff member. During the pandemic, when there were no Mind For You holidays, Carol used the time to expand the business digitally, to plan its future and raise money. And now, since the country's opened back up, there have been several trips to various destinations, from Norfolk to Perthshire, the Cotswolds to the Highlands, the Peak District to Dorset, all carried out in a spirit of fun and warmth. To Carol, caring is a skill. It's all about knowing the person. The holidays allow us to embrace dementia and get to know people quicker, she says. It's a laugh a minute and everything that's said is honest. There's no hidden agenda. 
So Carol, a very warm welcome to Well, I know now. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity to to come and speak to you today. Um, but, you know, your introduction resonates. <laughs> your own personal perspective resonates so, so well with mine and, you know, where I am now and why mine for you um, exists. Yeah, well, I thought so. That's why I wanted you to come on the podcast, actually. And first, what I thought it'd be good for you to do would be for you, I've given a sort of quick uh, tour d'horizon there of what you do, but for you to retrace your steps and your thoughts and take us back to when your mum's dementia, which was just like my mum's actually, a mixture, in fact, of Alzheimer's and vascular dementia, started to impact on all your lives as it does, um, but on your parents' lives in particular, making their, um, you know, normal holidays difficult. So just take us back to then and what began to happen. Yeah, I think, um, you know, everybody thinks dementia is about forgetting things, but I, I think my reflection is it was more about a change in my mum's behaviour, mm. a loss in her self-confidence mm. about what she was able to do and I think her enjoyment in the things that she was doing that I now look back and I think hmm, yeah. maybe we should have inquired more or done something more to realize what was going on with my mom that she wasn't yeah. enjoying life to the same extent that's but, hindsight isn't it I think with with dementia you're always looking back and thinking what you might have done yes yes hindsight is is a wonderful thing but you you can't live your life by it you just can learn from it and I think the other thing for for us as a family my mum was supported by my dad and you know mm. they were married for over 50 years mm. and we saw the impact that dementia had on my dad yes probably more than it had on my mum dementia in some way and it maybe sounds wrong, but protects the individual who's got it because how do you know <laughs> that you've forgotten something? You don't until somebody mm. tells you. I think there are different times, aren't there? I think sometimes, I mean, my mum knew at the beginning and she said one or two things that were very poignant and painful to hear because she did know. And it's when they have that sort of sudden realisation and insight into what's happening to them that it must be so terrifying but I know exactly what you mean and so many people say that to me I, I think the person with dementia and their care I often say are two sides of the same coin it definitely sort of impacts doesn't it but take us you know to, to get onto the holiday theme so all that had happened but you found didn't you you often first of all your parents used to come and stay with you but it was getting a bit boisterous because you had young children then and so you started to go on holidays but then you could no longer do that Yes, I think, it, and again, it was my dad who found the whole experience more stressful than my mum. We moved from them coming to us to finding holiday properties that we could rent mm. that were fairly close so dad could be independent. He didn't have the time pressures of having to be somewhere at a certain time. You know, he could relax to travel there with my mum. And that was what made us realise as we continued to holiday, you know, as a family supporting mum mm. and dad. And then the penny sort of dropped that actually we were putting pressure on mum and dad mm. to keep up with the kids, you know, to join in with, you know, the different discussions and things around the table that actually were really tiring for them. Mm, yes. And 
I sort of recognised that really what mum and dad needed was a holiday with people in a similar situation, you know, similar sort of outlook on life. Mm. And I wanted them to go away and get truly spoiled, yeah, yes, and relaxed. Which is what holidays are about, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, with the best will in the world, families, you know, we, we all have our nuances and we know one another's bad habits and we know the buttons to press. And, you know, I wanted mum and dad just to go away and enjoy because, you know, my, my dad had travelled the world with his job lots and, you know, holidays had always been important for them. Mm. And, and I looked and thought, can I find anywhere where mum and dad can go away and, and get spoilt in the way I want them to be spoilt? And, and so they can really enjoy one another's company without any of those pressures that you get from day-to-day life and family life puts Mm. pressures unwittingly on people Mm. and I couldn't find anything mum and dad were in Scotland at that point in mum's dementia traveling long distances were just stressful for her and my dad and I thought gosh maybe I'll set something up myself yes and you'd already (laughs) Um, started to sort of slightly um downscale from work hadn't you I think Oh, completely, because Mm. in the sense of supporting my mum and dad who were in Scotland, supporting my mother-in-law who was living alone with dementia in Liverpool, and then my daughter also had health issues, Mm. I'd um, reduced my hours and actually had um, set up my own consultancy to give me the flexibility to support people when they need it, because that's, again, a challenge because you don't want to wrap people in cotton wool. Well, that's you a very good point. To continue mm. to live life mm. and you need to understand when your support is required yes. and how that's required. Such and, a good point. Mm. And I was really, really lucky because right at the start of my mum's diagnosis, we signed up for my mum to have what was called befrienders. I think it's called companions, side to side. It's got lots of different names, mm-hmm. but we had two befrienders who came and took my mum out and would check how my dad was Mm. for like five and seven years Mm. and they became part of the family and they became part of the support network that helped Mm. me know Mm. actually but that's quite interesting going back to what you said right at the outset of this chat because you were saying about how you realize different things about yourself because I know you said to me before that actually when your dad said and I'm going to keep this befriender and I will not miss one session with a befriender you were and I can completely understand what you mean a little bit offended because you thought well what about you know we're here but actually it was it was such a good thing for your dad to have the foresight to do that because it meant that by the time your mum's dementia was more advanced they already had a good relationship going yeah no and I hadn't thought of it like that Mm, yeah you you wouldn't uh, would you necessarily no 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 but you know that was my dad was very very organized Mm. and really thought well in advance about different things but you know that as well as giving that relationship what it really taught me was I had to get to know my mum again with dementia because you know that you've known that person all your life you know what they like you know what they don't like they know the sorts of you know habits or things Mm. Uh, but those all change with dementia yes absolutely Uh, no that I remember you said that too didn't you and of course these people knew your mum as she was then so somebody offers her a yo-yo and you would have thought no she's gonna hate that but she didn't she loved it yeah and that to me was my biggest learning and something that's really really hard to do Mm. because it's a 
about them being somebody you've just met and finding out and building that relationship, having the confidence to introduce somebody to something that you know they won't have liked in their life before dementia. It can be really difficult, but it can be fantastically rewarding. You know, that's one of the things on our holidays that it's about introducing our guests to different activities because for a carer, it can be really hard thinking of which activities that their loved one can enjoy. And it's sometimes people who don't know the individual well introducing things based on their sort of knowledge and understanding of that individual and I think it's really really powerful but very very hard to do when it's somebody that's so close to you. Um, Yes and you said there's a balance isn't there to be struck really between you knowing them as you one knows one's mum for forever literally and then a new person coming in so tell us about your holidays, because this is the wonderful thing. And then, we'll, and then we'll go to how you actually set it up. But tell us the, the format your holidays take and the way you visit everybody, you get to know them. So our holidays are very much an extended family holiday without the family members. And I sort of compare it to, you know, we've brought our children up in England. You know, you create your own support networks Mm. and you have extremely good friends. And, you know, when I was a child, you know, you called them aunties and uncles and they weren't related to you at all. Oh, I can still remember my uncle, Uncle Sid and Auntie Shirley. Yeah. Yeah. And those were the people you relied on. And that's really what our holidays are about you know we are the the people there to provide that support Mm. not wrapping people up in cotton wool allowing them to continue to do the things they still enjoy doing Mm. the things that they are currently doing but the carer needs that extra pair of eyes Mm. or just needs somebody to know if we need to get to a loo really quickly yeah this is where it is so we are those people and before everybody comes on our holidays, we go and visit them. And that was from right at the start. I was a scientist, yeah. I still am, I am a still a scientist, yes. once a scientific yes. brain, always a scientific brain. But I hadn't the experience in taking people on holiday. I had personal experience in supporting my family. But I asked people, you know, why would you take the risk with a brand new organisation mm. providing a service that, isn't off the shelf and they all said in the nicest possible way if you could see the whites of your eyes <laughs> and oh, we knew interesting. you understood our situation our concerns and that's what we do we visit people you know, we've got to really reinforce we're not assessing you you know mm, we have mm, lots of paperwork mm. so we know we can safely take people on holiday this is about reassuring people that whatever they're worried might happen the we understand their worry. Mm. Here are the things we can put in place. And mm. if the worst happens, we're there to support you. How did you find out about that? Because that is an enormous responsibility, actually, isn't it? Because the people that you're going away with, without putting too fine a point on it, are pretty vulnerable, aren't they? Um, or can be. And obviously, they will have a partner with them, possibly, you know, their own partner. But still, you know, they are paying to go on your holiday. We'll come to that. And you are they're sort of in your charge, aren't they? So so how do you go about that paperwork-wise and um, the horrible, terrible sort of bureaucracy of it all? I know I know you have dementia training. Well, 
you know, we run our organisation like a, a care home in the sense of the risk assessments, the support plans, all of these things. And as a scientist, I suppose that to me is how <laughs> you approach most things because I spent my professional career as a scientist where everything I used could kill me potentially. Yes. yes. <laughs> so that's the approach I take to life. So in in many ways, <laughs> you know, I had a good friend who said, oh, Carol, you take lots of risks, yeah? And I don't think of myself as that. And I said, give me an explanation of, of, of a risk, a recent risk you think I've taken. And um, I can't remember what it was. I said, oh, gosh, no, that's not a risk because if this happens, we've got this in place. Yes, it was calculated. And, you worked it all out. Mm. Yes, and if this isn't in place, well, this is the other default. So everything we do has plan B, C and D. Mm. You know, we actually, right at the start, I approached the CQC and I said, you know, can you come and inspect us? Mm, <laughs> you know, the Care Quality can, Commission, can, yeah. Yes, can you, you know, come and ensure we have all our paperwork in place? Um, and then they said, no, nope, because you don't provide personal care and we have more than enough organisations to review. But I employed people who have been inspectors for the CQC, very experienced, high-level nurses who came in and ensured mm. we have all the rigorous risk assessments. We do decide whether people can safely come on our holidays to that particular accommodation and that particular bedroom-bathroom structure and the equipment they need is relevant for them to have a relaxing time. Sure. But everyone is shocked <laughs> of the amount of work that's done oh, behind the no, I mean, scenes. absolutely. Of course, there's a lot, isn't it? I know all your staff have some dementia training as well. But let's get on to the fun bit, as it were, because I, I was looking... You've got some lovely blogs on your website, actually, which is just your, your name, isn't it, of the organisation. And uh, it really it did feel to me, which is why I said, you know, like that holidays you had when you were little, actually. And yes, you went to these lovely places, whether it be Cornwall or whatever. And then it was all about, you know, good food, as you say, different experiences, different food, maybe, and ice creams and people doing what they wanted to. You know, some people might want to do a little bit of retail therapy in Wells next to sea, I think it was when I was reading the blog. But somebody else suggested, oh, can we go to the nature reserve? You know, people have different interests and want to do different things and everybody seems to be able to sort of do it because you have a good ratio of, we were just saying actually before we started, you have always a minimum of three members of your team with normally three couples, was it, did you say? Yeah, I think the maximum, maximum is four couples we'd have with three members of staff. But yes, you know, that right from the get-go, that staffing ratio to me was absolutely key mm. and good dementia care and support is about person-centred and the only way you can truly do that is having enough time to be able to understand the individual mm. and their likes and dislikes. So it is very much about us having a, a very regimented plan <laughs> in the sense of, you know, we're leaving the house to get for lunch at this time. Mm. But equally, there are times throughout the day that are, are, are flexible. Mm. So, you know, after breakfast, that's pretty flexible. We don't have lunch till one o'clock. So it's a nice relaxing morning. And if there's the opportunity to do 
other activities that aren't on the excursions, then that's what we'll do. You know, if it's a nice day and you can have a nice walk or we go to Wells Next to see and, you know, some ladies might want to go to the shops and, you know, other people might like to walk down the promenade to, to the beach and the beach cafe. It's very varied, actually, isn't it, what you do? Because I know you visited Sandringham when you were in Norfolk. Because I think the blog was obviously that I read about Norfolk, and all, but also museums and all, all sorts of things. And how do you get there? Because you have different modes of transport. And how does all that work? Well, that's probably the thing that's the most time-consuming and the most difficult to organise. Mm. Interestingly, since the pandemic, a lot more of our guests are travelling themselves because it gives them that flexibility. But we will help our guests to organise train tickets. I'm just in the process of helping one of our guests download his e-tickets yes. <laughs> onto his phone. They Good can, luck with they that. can travel, travel <laughs> to Dorset. Yes. But he's a very, very tech-savvy 91-year-old, so I have every confidence that he'll manage. But, you know, we help with the train and we're acutely aware of things like two together rail cards so people get Mm, good value mm, mm, mm. there's journey care so we can organize for people to get on the train get their luggage carried for them and we know the same if people want to do flights not many people fly and it's not something we would actively encourage but if that's something people have regularly done Mm. and they're comfortable why not? And the other thing is we um, set up early on a partnership with an organisation called Driving Miss Daisy, mm-hmm. who are companion drivers, not a taxi driver, and they have fully accessible vehicles. So I actually met the, mm. the gentleman who set up the franchise in the kitchen of the Dorset property we use uh, on one of the holidays and realised we had very, very similar philosophies and um, we were the first national organisation that they worked with and they now provide car travel for lots of other people. It's great, isn't it, when you can make these partnerships? I mean, I think Mm. so good. Yes, so your first holiday was in um, 2015, wasn't it? Yes, in Norfolk, in fact, and that was... It was. uh, Yep, and then you had Pitt Lockery, didn't you, in the same year for your first Scottish holiday. So, I mean, you're very, um, you know, all over the place, aren't you? I mean, it's very diverse locations. It is. And some people said, you know, at the beginning, said, Carol, what on earth are you doing offering such a wide range of destinations? But for me, having supported my mum in Scotland, living with dementia, my dad, and my mother in Liverpool, a single person living with dementia, Mm. I was very acutely aware of the different health and social care systems. Yes. And the different support you get in the different countries Mm, mm. and I wanted to very rapidly because I am quite an impatient person Mm. demonstrate if we got this right that it was a service that would help people irrespective of Mm. the health and social care system that was in place and also our holidays are yes going and visiting all these lovely places and eating food But the other bit that people don't really recognise when they book initially, it's the peer support the carers give to one another. And when it's people from different parts of the country, even different parts of England, there's all sorts of different support that's out there for families and individuals living with dementia. And it's a nice way for people to realise, well, actually, that exists in um, Nottingham. Maybe I should go 
home and see if it exists in you know Worcestershire. Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, yes and absolutely. It, it, it's having that diversity of um, mm. understanding. But yes, and and it's about choice, you know, because again, most of our guests, if they're able to, from the health perspective, come on at least two holidays with us. We've got loads that have been on like eight holidays. I know that's a good sign always, isn't it? The returners. Yeah. Yeah, and and from their perspective, it's nice to go to different places, just like you and I. You know, most people choose to go to different places and have different experiences. Mm, 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 mm. And they also choose to go to different places because they maybe have family there. We're taking a couple down next week to Dorset and their son has bought them a gift for his mum's 80th birthday. And he lives down there and he's joining them for dinner when they arrive on Monday and, and he and his wife on Thursday. It's about giving people those opportunities because it can be daunting, not for the family, but for the couple, mm. you know, worried about maybe, you know, granddad knocking on the wrong room, going to, you know, get to the bathroom and stuff like that. So, you know, we've had quite a few holidays that have been done to, to link up with families and Brilliant. friends. How do you find the accommodation? Because you've got some lovely looking places, I must say, you know, converted barns and... You know, they've got to be quite large, haven't they? Because there's quite a lot of people and they've all got on suites and things. They do. I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do. I mean, right at the start, I went on a, a dementia design course before I'd even set up, you know, Mind For You formally mm. to understand what was a dementia-friendly property. Mm. What did I need to look for to be confident it was a, an environment that people could relax in? Mm. There was a couple of people like myself on the course. Most of the other people were um, for care homes, you know, looking how to make them more dementia friendly. And she looked at me and she said, that all that design stuff is all relevant. But she said, Carol, the most important thing is it's a home. Yes. It's something that people can recognise as a home. And up to that point, my model had always been maybe family run hotels, maybe, you know, family run B&Bs. But, you know, when she said that, it's like, well, where do we spend most of our time at home? What makes a home a home? Mm. You know, it tends to be where you have your dinner, you know, where you eat your breakfast, where you sit and watch the television or read the newspaper. Mm. And those environments are quite, quite different in, in hotels and bed and breakfast. They don't have to be, but, you know, that's the way they distinguish themselves, a different type of service. Mm. So I went armed with everything I'd learnt, looked on the internet, mm. visited lots of properties and then tried properties and we've worked out over the years what works and what doesn't work and equally what will work for what type of person living mm. with dementia mm. and what mm. care, you know, depending on their challenges because we're supporting the person with dementia but their older adult husbands, wives, friends they have their own challenges that they're trying to balance out. So, Are there any rules of thumb, though, that you would say to people? Because that's quite interesting for other people just, you know, not, not even using your holidays, but just trying to find a holiday. What, what are the things that you look for in a property? Somewhere that's really simple to navigate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's obvious where the bathroom is it's obvious where the living room is I remember one of the first ones it had been a pub previously and it was a gorgeous property gorgeous location 
but it's just a rabbit warren. Yes. So somewhere that's very simple. And the other thing that's really important, somewhere that's really light and airy. Because mm. people, and I know I didn't realise, just the impact dementia has on people's vision. Yes. It's not just depth perception, it's how they can actually see. And being in a very light, airy environment helps with that. And I think there's just something very, it sounds corny, but uplifting. No, there and, is, definitely. Know, mm. about, about a light and bright environment. So mm. you know, those are the things. And the best properties are converted barns because mm. it gives people the freedom. <laughs> you know, they could be doing all the things and you're not there thinking, oh, you know, should you be doing that? Should you be doing this? Mm. Yeah, mm. You, you can let people be themselves, do their own things, mm. but be able to intervene if needed to give that extra support or you see that frustration. Yeah, Yeah. no, I can, I can imagine that. And like, they, they tend to be airy, don't they? Because they're often sort of double height. Yes. Um, interiors yeah. in barn in barn conversions, yes. So having had your idea, how did you go about setting up? Why did you decide you would do it, you know, by having this uh, for-profit social enterprise? I went along to what's called a an incubator, which yeah. is not to do with chickens, but it's to do with yeah. where you incubate ideas, isn't it? And then people help you. Is that right? Yeah. Who told you that you should go with your holiday idea? It was the, the people, I, I met them over coffee at this innovations and they said, well, we're running this incubator, come and speak to me. And I went through them all and they said, you speak most enthusiastically and passionately about the holidays. Mm -hmm. So that's what we'd like to invite you to come on to our incubator and develop that idea. That again, I didn't realise that, but they picked up on that straight away and mm. I was offered voluntary redundancy at the same time I was on gardening leave I wasn't allowed to work for anybody else yeah. so I had a time really fortunately to just focus on could this idea develop into something real and tangible mm. and in fact, the business coach that I had on that incubator mm. it has been involved with mine for you all the way through and it is our chair of the board. <laughs> um, so I learned a lot mm. and I was always a social enterprise. I didn't know what kind of social enterprise, but I recognised that what I wanted to establish didn't fit into any particular box so to speak it was sort of in between lots of different things mm. and I was very conscious from my scientific career that to get sufficient funding from grants yes often you had to not bend but sort of put what you were doing into a different light so you were providing people with the information they needed for why you were being funded but also that that gave you the opportunity to develop and build on what they were doing. I wanted the opportunity to be able to test the idea fully. And I also felt that it was something that had to be self-sustainable, yes. but not, not in a, a profit sense. It was about delivering a quality product mm. with the requirements for the dementia community mm. and having that at a price that as many people as possible could access mm. and not being utterly dependent on donations. Mm. Mm. Uh, but we're a charitable cooperative now and donations, you know, are one of our revenue streams moving forward. But that is to allow us to share our knowledge, 
to give different experiences that different guests may not think of, like a professional artist coming in Mm. and um, showing that sort of expertise Mm. and also being able to subsidise people who can't afford our holidays fully. But it it was about a self-sustaining model and I picked a for-profit social enterprise because I felt that was the right format you know to be able to do what what we wanted to test Mm. but you know it was very interesting because early on that name for profit yeah Mm. made us very very suspicious to a lot of the third sector even though it was social enterprise even though our constitution had everything that a cic has that that label it just uh, got that that six letter word that yeah yes Mm. yeah Mm. but it's got Uh, to be sustainable though hasn't it it's a Absolutely. And that that's that's my view. And to me, what I was working to establish was something that everybody should have the option. And one of the key things, what's the data now after the pandemic? 50% of family carers spend over twice the legal limit for work. working. Mm-hmm. You so know, they need a holiday. They need a holiday. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was something that we need to recognise that these older adults looking after them. Older as well, of course. Yeah, yeah, not even of working age. Mm. No, no, no. They need, you know, a holiday and a break. And, you know, that was always my goal as well. Mm. So how do you do your pricing structure then? I mean, is there a slight sort of means-tested flexibility in, within it, built within it, into it? There isn't a means-tested flexibility. What there is is if there are last-minute cancellations in our holidays, mm-hmm. then people are offered discounts to come on holiday mm-hmm. or sometimes it's very last-minute. It can be come along. <laughs> it's important for the guests who are still able to come on that holiday to have that company. Yes, Does that happen often, actually? Because I suppose it might do, given the guests you're asking to come on. It does, and even more so post-pandemic, even more so. And believe it or not, it's one of our biggest challenges. No, no, thinking about it, it would be, because dementia Mm. is nothing if not unpredictable. Predictable, yeah. Mm. Oh, no. Mm. And, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why we say to everyone, take insurance, yeah? Yes. I was going to ask you, actually. I'm glad you raised insurance because I was thinking about that. Mm, really we didn't to begin with but what we found was a lot of people were continuing to go on a holiday and not Mm. getting the maximum enjoyment out of a holiday because they paid for it and they had illnesses and they hadn't claimed you know against their insurance Um, so that's something we put in place well before the the pandemic Mm. And what sort of very ballpark figure? Because as you describe it all, and as I've researched it all, I was thinking this is not cheap. This is a really nice holiday for, it's a week, isn't it, normally? It's Monday through Friday, so it's just four nights. It's a working week. Um, Mm -hmm. Working week. So our price is from 955 per person, Mm -hmm. and that includes holiday staff, supporting guests from nine in the morning till nine at night, includes the accommodation which again to get five bedrooms with en suites and then at least another two or three for staff they're really really lovely quality properties guests are always shocked how nice they are i can see they're very nice yeah Mm. (laughs) but you know it's paying for the cost of those properties and the staff that's the 
key cost. And, and in positioning it, again, it was very much about how much it cost. <laughs> I was in the fortunate position in my family to be able to provide a lot of the in initial investment so that we could work that out. And we had loans from so some social investors. So we really learned our price point based on mm. how much it really costs. And also, I know you want to look after your staff. So you were saying you pay them significantly above a minimum wage. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, that to me is really, really important because I had an idea. It's not me that delivers the holidays. It's my staff you that You do go on them, the don't holidays. you? Oh, yeah. I've never not go on any, I, I've ever. read a lot about your cooking, actually. <laughs> I'm uh, your legendary pavlova, which sounds delicious. <laughs> but that, yeah, but that's a friend in the village who gave me her recipe, so I can't take credit. <laughs> mm. But that's but, a flavour. Sorry, excuse the pun. That's the flavour of of the sort of holidays they are, because in the blogs there was quite a lot about food, which is always a big part of any holiday. Eating together, you know, and then discussing your day together when people have been doing different things. And but I thought reading all these these little bits like that, these little details, I thought, yeah, that is what holidays are all about, you know. And so that was what made it. So nice. Just scrolling right forward and bringing it, well, it's now luckily in a way not up to date because hopefully we're coming out of it. But this terrible time we all had for the, for the last sort of 18 months of the pandemic and how then you were a bit sort of stuffed, really, because you couldn't go anywhere and you couldn't go into your guest homes and you couldn't take them anywhere. So I did briefly touch on what you did, but I know you've got, you know, just as we sort of round this off now, some some ideas going forward as well. So tell us what you did during the pandemic and then your idea for the properties you had. So during the pandemic, we mind for you has always been a virtual organisation. Sorry, can I so... just interrupt? Why do you call it mind for you <laughs> Because it's all about the person for you. It's for you. Yeah. And mind because, you know, if you say look after somebody in Scotland you'd say will you mind the dog for me or the cat or the person so in, in mind for dementia so mind meant lots of different things to different right. people got it. yeah got it. sorry that was um, a, but I've been thinking yeah. I do need to ask you that because it's been yeah but uh, sorry just a funny one you know my mum helped me right at the start oh you know right. and looked at the brochures and everything and my mum used to say she said mind for you what on earth does that mean? It's just rubbish. <laughs> it means nothing. But anyway, that's an aside. She was a teacher, so she proofread all the initial brochures. Yeah, Great, great. <laughs> Didn't think they were for her because her dementia was such that she had only three instances I can ever remember that she had a, an awareness at all. It was mm. other people for her. Oh, I see. Right, okay. Yeah, you know, so it was other people who had got things wrong. My mum had essentially delusional jealousy as well as she progressed which was really difficult for my dad well all of us to really understand and I when it got really difficult I, I would go and visit and one of the things that helped her was writing because I very quickly picked up the anything anybody else said because her world was okay she wouldn't necessarily accept it but if she wrote it down and she knew her own right handwriting then that was the way when it was really tough that she would write each yeah, day yeah. and um, that was very insightful if not really upsetting you know when she would describe how she'd wake up certain days and then you know she used to describe it as the mist would lift 
certainty. Yes. And, you know, there was more of awareness about how she rationalised all these things that had never happened, but yes. that could explain behaviours. So, yes, yeah, sorry, I, I, I digress. We were speaking Very about... Interesting, though. Um, Very interesting. And a good idea of yours to get her to write it down. What a good idea. Yes, yeah. But she only did it for so long. and mm. um, But it helped. It helped her mm. in that sense. And it helped my dad because otherwise it was very focused that, you know, <laughs> he was seeing things that mm. she just couldn't recognise at all. But that's, you know, we all find different ways of, of working through and, and, and helping people. Mm. But yes, the pandemic, as I was saying, because staff are important, we'd always worked virtually because my view when I set up mine for you is it was having the right staff no matter where they lived in the UK. So much to a lot of the initial you know, staff's shock when I said, oh, we're going to use Skype. And then when Zoom came on, we were some of the first adopters. Mm. We'd always operated virtually. Oh, so, so when you had a head start, you had a head start? And so yes. Mm. And, and we sort of realised from all the initial social Zoom meetings or things we had that, oh my gosh, some of them were really tortuous because we'd learned a lot of the non-verbal cues. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> to listen to one another and, and how to do things. So we, we wanted to use our skills to really set up some digital sessions mm. with our guests who were comfortable with technology and equally, you know, some that weren't at all comfortable <laughs> and, and ran a pilot study to see if we could get them all connected. And then I actually looked and I found a group in... Um, I think it was, it was Colorado, Colorado in the States, and they'd been doing digital sessions and I reached out and I said, mm. oh, you know, any chance we could join in and see what you've been doing and learn from you? And mm. What a um, dementia group, you mean? Yeah, a dementia group, yes. They'd done it early, early on. And, um, you know, we learned a bit from them and then really worked with our group of guests who were game to try it mm, mm. And, and developed what we call the joy inside, which in many ways, it's what it's like around the dinner table. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> After dinner, but people are in their different rooms on Zoom and we have a mixture of open questions. You know, there's no right, there's no wrong. You could be telling, you could be making a story up or whatever, but lots of questions all around a particular theme like mm birds as one example and then there's some music that's related to that mm. maybe some videos well we always have a quiz you know mm. but a quiz that's not about the answers being right or wrong it's about there being a curious fact that's related yes yes, <laughs> yes you do sort of famous people in history and stuff don't you and I've also saw a bit of dancing I thought when I yes 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 music dancing. plays quite a big part doesn't it which is great it's huge you know um in our digital sessions and on our holidays. At the end of the holidays, every Thursday, we have a slideshow with music along that's been relevant to what we've been doing the whole week. Um, and music um, is great. And it's not just about old music. Yeah. Our philosophy is introducing people to new music and new things because a lot of people think dementia, you've got to live in the past. Well, people with dementia can like new things and dislike new things. Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Just may not remember how much they've liked or disliked them. But if you introduce them to them again, you can tell. So we love doing that. And we've had some wonderful examples of 
people well into their 80s loving it was Coldplay one gentleman you know he was dead quiet and then suddenly he's up dancing and trying to get his wife to dance to Coldplay and she didn't like Coldplay very much but you know he loved it Um, so it it definitely breaks barriers music without a doubt but so that's our sessions and again it's the same philosophy as our holidays six households and we have three presenters and, you know, those presenters, one, one's a technical guru, one sort of leading it, and the other one's looking to make sure we're involving people. Yes, you can see an example of it, can't you, on your website? Yeah, so, you know, that's something, you know, we set up, and it was for our guests, but also, you know, for us as staff, <laughs> you know, taking part in a lot of those things when we were all locked down and couldn't see anybody, you know, it was important. Yes. <laughs> important to do something, something. that was mm. fun in, in a balanced, relaxed, non-pressurised way. Mm. Do you do Joy Inside sessions sometimes on your holidays? We do. In fact, we're planning one next week. I'm staffing a holiday in Yorkshire and we've got tickets on our last evening to go to um, a Morecambe and Wise show at Scarborough Spa. So we're going to do a comedy session of the Joy Inside because we've got loads and loads banked. So I think we're going to do have a, have a lot of laughs. And again, you know, we introduce our guests to use YouTube. You can mm. get all of mm. these things mm. for mm. free. And, you know, there's the BBC Sport Archive. There's so many things there. Mm. But when you're caring for somebody, you don't have the time to look at all of those things and learn those things. No, but it gives um, them a chance. I mean, that's another thing that I, you know, a lot of aspects were very, very positive, very good, I thought, when I researched you. Because you also... People sign up to GPs, don't they, when they're on your breaks away because the sort of things you just don't get time to do. And that was informed by the fact that your own father, very intelligent man, knew he had prostate cancer but said he didn't have time to deal with that because he was looking after your mum and, you know, should have should have done. That is very much our philosophy and if we can help make that appointment. And, you know, that's one great positive thing out of the pandemic. Mm is now with GP phone consultations, yeah. Mm. often we're able to get them to speak to their actual GP rather than it being a stranger. Sometimes it's good that it's a stranger, can have a different way of describing things, yeah, which is, is really good. But that's one of the things I think we, we've realised this year. Situations happen on holiday when you've got older adults and those are things we just deal with. Mm. And we realise that's one of the things that we've never really shared with people. We had one gentleman and his wife had to go home from holiday in Yorkshire. And, mm. and we were sitting down for breakfast the next day. And um, Steph said, she said, you know, I was really worried. What if something happened to Graham? And she said, I now know I can come on holiday with you. And I don't have to have that worry. In fact, I know I would probably have more support here. Yes, then I would have home. There's a rigour. There's a rigour to what you do, isn't there? It is, or I just that's just the way I've been brought up. Who knows? Uh, I have no idea. It was it was like a ching when my friend said that because I said, "Doesn't everybody think like that?" Mm, it's funny <laughs> when people say that, isn't it? You think I've been doing that all my life. But uh, thank you very much, uh, Carol. That was absolutely fascinating. I hope other people find it. So I think what you've got there is you've got this. Might just be you. Might be the way you're brought up. Might be because you're Scottish. But you've got this sort of rigorous where your mind works, you want to test things out to the nth degree, you want to prepare thoroughly, you know, you want to get everything in place. But then you also have, of course, as I do, and as so many of us do, a personal, a very personal experience of all this to know, well, often what doesn't work is what one knows, and then think about what one might 
change to make it work a bit better for other people. And you've got a vision too. You, you've got this vision now of what you want to do going forward. So I think all those things came together. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought brilliant when I, I can't remember how I did come across, how we kind of met, but good on you. And thank you very much indeed for, for coming on. Lovely speaking and chatting. And it's only when you speak to people you learn yourself about the approaches you take but equally what's lovely about what we do even when I'm not on the holidays we take so many photographs mm. is I can just see yes on the, people's, people's faces, faces. absolutely I can see that made. yeah I can see that and so it's lovely to be able to do something and see other people you know my staff enjoying doing the same thing and, and seeing you make a difference. It, it's lovely. And it's about, yes, as you said, dementia is a really tough diagnosis. It can be really cruel, mm. but you can still enjoy life and do things in a different way from what you'd planned, but you can still do that. Well, thank you very much and good luck with it all in future. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Pippa. Carol. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I find it really interesting when people come at dementia from different angles. I'm thinking about how in the bonus episode of my last series, filmmaker Jörg Roth took a commercial approach, making sure that his product provided his customers with exactly what they wanted. That his product, in his case, My Life Films, had what he called in commercial speak, stickability. Put another way, he put those with dementia at the heart of what he was doing. Carol Sargent is a scientist as she said, once a scientist, always a scientist. She approached her idea for holidays for people with dementia and their families with a scientist forensic rigour. Testing, analysing, trialling before going to market. Boy, did it pay off. It seems no detail is forgotten. And like a scientist, she looks out for undiscovered benefits and offshoots, such as the way that holidays provide a natural place to try out new things or to catch up on tasks we've been putting off because we're too busy such as doctor's appointments, which could prove important, lifesavers even. She's also very warm, very human, very engaging. Do take a look at the Mind For You website. I say this not to plug Carol's enterprise, but because I think it's worth looking at. It certainly caught my attention, and I know from my own experience that when you're in the throes of caring for someone, a short break in a different part of the country with new views, some friendly faces around you and people to support you is just what you want. The website can be found at mindforyou.co.uk. And finally, if you've enjoyed listening today, I would be very, very grateful if you would rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform or channel you're listening to it on, as this will help spread the word about the podcast, and then together perhaps we can further diminish the stigma, increase the knowledge, and quash the myths surrounding dementia.